Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the May issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Management Strategies for Minimizing Early Pregnancy Loss. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the author, Dr. Rick Funston, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Cattle Reproductive Physiologist. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Funston. You bet. Dr. Funston, we're in the midst of May right now, and for many cow-calf producers, some have already started the breeding season, either through AI or natural service. Others still have that coming up. As we think about the breeding season, it's important to also understand there's the potential for pregnancy loss to occur due to stress that happens after breeding. Share with us some key things that producers may want to pay attention to as they think about their breeding season and minimizing pregnancy loss that it can occur with stress. Yeah, and to, <clears throat> to illustrate how important or how big of a factor this is, earlier research and observations in most mammals shows, including beef cattle, which is what we're here to talk about today, <clears throat> indicate that conception rate to any one either insemination by a bull or artificially, is very high. Estimates and validation has shown as high as 90% or greater. But by day 40, we end up with probably 60% uh, conception on any one insemination is pretty good. I mean, if we look at our AI programs, that's really, we're targeting something above 50 and being happy. We do better than that, <clears throat> more than uh, excited, I guess. So what are some of the things to consider to try to minimize that? I mean, some of it is, is just uh, selection, genetic defects, uh, cause embryonic loss, you know, a host of genetic things that might, might uh, cause embryonic loss that we probably don't have much uh, control over other than not to breed to related related animals. And that's where we find the genetic defects. But I always tell people, we're probably not going to find 90% of the genetic defects because they result in embryonic loss. But beyond that, I really like to look at the period going up to breeding is really important. And that tends to be what we have the most control over, especially if we have animals in a dry lot or, or feeding a certain ration. But to start with, I never want animals gaining more prior to breeding than they're going to gain post-breeding. So sometimes we think we're doing these uh, heifers or cows a great favor by getting them really fleshy in the feedlot. And then when they go to grass, they don't maintain that gain. And we wonder why our conception rates were below par when we saw a lot of, say, estrus activity. So make sure you plan your, your uh, nutrition so that those animals are always allowed to move up as they're establishing pregnancy. And sometimes that might mean backing them off, backing them off uh, prior to breeding. I mean, not severely, but we certainly, you know, we'll probably get two pound a day gain on good grass early in the breeding season, but probably not a lot more than that. So we don't want them gaining more than a pound and a half, two pounds prior to breeding. 
because those signals, whatever metabolically they are, are not conducive to embryonic survival if they're in a in a period of uh, perceived or realized uh, uh, negative uh, metabolic signals, negative gain, for example. The other one, uh, another one to touch on is is transportation. We want to go to pasture, and uh, some people want to breed for a couple cycles. So a lot of this becomes a real compromise. I tell people, let's get them gone within five days, or you probably have to wait 40 days. But if you put cleanup bowls with them, you know, you're going to have animals in that critical time almost regardless of when when you transport them. So there's going to be some loss if you're uh, cleaning up for a period before you transport them. Uh, I just tell people, um, some people sometimes our mistakes are <laughs> covered up when we don't know it. I worked with the big ranch in Wyoming and they shipped cattle clear across Wyoming. And the next year they're with bulls. And then the next year they cleaned up at the feedlot and didn't send any bulls with them. Wondered why they had such lower preg rates. I said, well, because, because your bulls covered up your mistake or whatever the challenge was to, to get them to grass. Those cattle that say have embryonic loss, technically abort before day, I don't know what the magic one is, but there's work showing the heat after embryonic loss, at least to day 45, is completely fertile. So at least have bulls with those animals after you transport them, period, I guess. Because you started your breeding season when you started AI, and I'd just wait a couple bulls, especially in a commercial scenario, and uh, for most of them to go out of heat and then put the bulls in. Um, you know, I'm just involved right now breeding a group of cattle. They put the bulls in uh, right when we gave prostaglan and never pulled them. They said the pregnancy is worth so much more than we don't really care if they're AI or not. But so anyway, a lot of different reasoning there, but they'll probably end up with higher preg rate to AI, but they won't all be AI. So there's a little bit of uh, data in that article on Beef Watch from Colorado State. There were some done in Montana that didn't necessarily totally, totally uh, support it, but uh, uh, we're and and how much loss? It's not a complete catastrophe, but but probably you know this Colorado data shows as high as ten percent. And then along with that, if we're going to transport them, let's do it on a day that's not terrible hot and humid if we can avoid it or timing of day coupled with transportation stress heat stress adds to that so so then the next uh i guess major point in this article that we have control over that we understand is pregnancy diagnosis now many people want to preg check as soon as possible after the ai and you can tell with ultrasound at day 25, should you? Um, not, not recommended. How long do you need to wait? I think there's some data in here from the Rex Ranch. They did a nice uh, master's study and they didn't see, you know, and it wasn't high, but they didn't see 
uh, no loss till after what 53 days. I don't know what was magic about that, but for example, they had a threefold difference in loss if they did it prior to 53 days, but it was 3.5 versus 1.3%, so not real high. So after, I would say your losses are minimal after say 40 days. So at least if we can wait 40 days to preg check, but then again, like, you know, if it's 40 days from AI, you're gonna have bullreds that are, that are gonna be at risk for handling. And we've got blood tests that can test even sooner, but I tell people, well, that may be true, but, but just handling them to collect that blood sample is gonna cause some stress. And uh, I use an example down south here, very professional heifer development person that's no longer in the business. But anyway, she told me that they preg checked uh, a bunch of heifers at 30 days pregnant and just, I mean, trailed them, not in the heat, but a mile or a few miles from the feedlot. And I don't remember what she said, lost like 15% or something. So 30 days, you know, I don't know what the most critical is, but anytime an animal has a corpus luteum, which is formed after ovulation, that is sensitive to prostaglandin, we run risk, run risk of pregnancy loss. So it's after day, what, six, seven, um, and then until they fully establish uterine apposition of the uterus and, and placenta occurs about day 30. So we know that's a critical time. And then after that, at some point, probably 10 days later, our risk goes down considerably. So Dr. Funston, as we think about current conditions across Nebraska, and then we look to the north and west of us, obviously some drought. And so there's going to be some folks trying to think about what's my strategy to identify pregnant cows early. Those that are non-pregnant, I like to go ahead and get off the ranch and reduce them as a opportunity to you know, reduce my stocking rate. So really based on your perspective and the work you've looked at, somewhere around 40 days would be kind of a minimum to try to minimize pregnancy loss due to pregnancy testing. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And so if we say that and everything we are going to make safe, it's got to be 40 days after we pull the bulls, right? But you're, and I agree with you, Aaron, some of these people aren't wanting to do that. And uh, well, then check 30 days or 40 days after AI and get rid of the obvious ones that are, that you can't identify as pregnant, but the ones that are, you know, even if they're, well, they could be 25 days and those are at risk. So leave bulls in with them if we want to make sure and have, have a, that number of pregnants. So yeah, it's all a compromise because it, especially if we AI and clean up, right? Um, and don't wait 40 days after bull removal. We got animal, we're going to have animals that are at some less than desirable time point when we, when we are handling them. Yeah, I think the risk is, and I think as you well alluded to, what's the balancing act? You know, what's the value of, I guess the feed savings we're going to accomplish by identifying those non-pregnant cows and getting them off the ranch versus the cost of pregnancy loss. And I think people are going to have to evaluate that and determine where they think that point is for their own operations. Right. Anything else on this topic, Dr. Funston, you'd like to highlight or point out for producers? 
let's see, there's a link to uh, options for pregnancy diagnosis. There's a link to some other nutritional studies, uh, comparison of, oh, this is the Rex Ranch study of fetal loss from diagnosing pregnancy using ultrasonography or rectal palpation from novice or experienced technicians. That, that's a nice study. And I think the, what they showed in there, if it was a skilled, I don't know how to define skilled, but a skilled uh, palpator, um, they didn't have any more loss with palpation versus ultrasonography. I think, and hopefully the rumors are dispelled, but there for a while out there, I was, they, people were saying, well, ultrasound causes more embryonic loss or abortions, and that's not true. If anything, it's less. So it's less invasive. Uh, you don't have to actually palpate the fetus, and you can see things. One on shipping stress, and then one on heat stress and embryonic development. So those would be the big ticket items that I think that we have any control over. Certainly, there's a, a myriad of of other things: infections, disease, vaccination timing. That might be another good one. Hopefully, you got our heifers vaccinated at least 30 days ahead of of any uh, inseminations. There's this modified live versus killed debate, and um, we've used the modified live here and at the Goodmanson forever. So animals that are naive are the ones at high risk with the modified live versus the killed vaccines. Uh, Russ Daly, I'll give you a website for a lot more reading, beefrepro.org. And Russ Daly at the... uh, the uh, Des Moines, Iowa proceedings has a, a, a nice paper from South Dakota on that debate. And I don't know, it's caused some you know, heartburn in the industry anyway. But so I think some of their data showed exactly what was told. If you vaccinate a naive animal too close to breeding, they're not going to breed as well. So I mean, not, not, not rocket science. So it's a lot of good information on there. And then all of you are obviously familiar with the beef website, but that's that beefrepro.org is really the best repro information you'll find on one site anywhere. And it also has a synchronization planner that we ought to be using so we don't make mistakes. <laughs> Shots are not interchangeable. Um, prostaglandin needs to be given when it says the protocol sheets are on there as well. GNRH needs to be given when it says, so um, days need to be observed. Those, those protocols are, are, are on, they make the sheet for a reason. And, and I get too many calls. Well, left the cedar in for two weeks. Well, that heat isn't going to be fertile or fed MGA and I don't have time uh, to do a 33 day protocol. Well, then we need to look at a different protocol, but prolonged, exposure to progestin through either cedar or MGA. It doesn't, doesn't uh, permanently affect fertility, but it does that ovulation after you withdraw the, the progestin. So we got to be careful on that as well. Dr. Funston, thanks for your time today. I appreciate your input and insight. I think this is going to be important, especially this year with drought conditions as folks think about when they pregnancy test and how they go about that. 
Now, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article that was discussed today, Management Strategies for Minimizing Early Pregnancy Loss.